Welcome to the Daily Authors Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Gendel, and on today's fantastic episode, I'm speaking with the lovely and talented Lise Cartwright, author of Mind the Chatter, Master Your Inner Voice, Gain a Positive Mindset, and Get Your Power Back. Now, Lise resides in beautiful New Zealand with her Australian husband, and she writes nonfiction books about health, wellness, entrepreneurship, and mindset while helping creative entrepreneurs navigate the tricky waters of starting and growing a successful online business. Lisa has had a love for the written word since she was a little girl. She has always had a diary or journal and expresses herself best through writing. Lisa writes because she loves to share her knowledge with the world, inspiring hope, and a way forward to help others do what they love one person at a time. So if you're ready to master your inner voice, gain a positive mindset, and get your power back, then stay tuned for this episode of the Daily Authors Podcast with Lise Cartwright. Hey, by the way, if you're ready to write your book today, you can head on over to writeabookuniversity.com forward slash free and get a free four-lesson video course that'll help you on your journey to writing your book. Welcome to the Daily Authors Podcast, a daily podcast all about books and the authors who gave them life. Each episode, your host interviews a new brilliant author as they reveal inside information about their incredible books and inspiring lives. Now, here's your host, Aaron Gendel. All right. Thank you so much, Lise, for joining me on the Daily Authors Podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you about your book, Mind the Chatter, Master Your Inner Voice, gain a positive mindset and get your power back. Thanks again yes. for joining me on the show. <laughs> oh, you're so welcome, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, before we dive into your book, Lise, would you mind just sharing with the listeners what you're up to right now and talk a little bit more about your work? And yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so actually right now I'm just working on my 31st book, wow. <laughs> which always sounds weird, weird when I say that, um, which is a workbook actually based off of Mind the Chatter. So it's all about mindset and more specifically the inner voice that tends to go on inside our head. And I'm a, a workbook person. I love, or sorry, I should say a journal person. And so I like writing things down. So I've had a lot of people reach out to me who have read Mind the Chatter and have been like, Lisa, I would love space to work through some of this stuff. And I'm like, wow. I'm going to create that for you. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's dive right into the book then, Mind the Chatter. Mm-hmm. Would you just give us mm-hmm. that 30,000 foot view of the book? Mm-hmm. So it is based on something that I tripped over, I guess, in terms of I just stumbled on it. It was not intentional, but I'm a fairly positive person. Like I'm definitely glasses half full. I'm optimistic. But when I started down the path of being an author full time and and just this writing process, I started noticing this voice in my head that would just be kind of like, you know, Lise, why are you writing a book? You don't have any special degree. Like, who do you think you are? Um, You know, just, just the usual stuff that tends to come up. And I just... And this is definitely not normal for me. Like I said, I'm definitely more of a positive person. But I just really noticed this happening again and again and again. And I just remember one day just going, ah, shut up, Neville. And this is so random. Like when when I tell the story, people I'm sure think I'm crazy. But (laughs) (laughs) so I just, I said that and 
all of a sudden it went really quiet. And then I went, okay. And then I didn't really think much of it. It, The voice came back again. And this time I started going, hmm, I wonder if me calling out a name or naming it would had an impact on what that looked like. And as I started to do a bit more research and I started trying different things, I started to discover that actually does help is when you separate your yourself from this voice up here, you're able to better deal with the things that are throwing at you. But also just understanding that that voice is coming from a a place and time when we needed to be protected. Like, you know, I think I even say in the book, you know, it's, it comes from a time when there were tigers hanging out in the bush and Mm -hmm. definitely no tigers hanging out. Well, at least where I am, there's definitely no tigers, you know? So it's when you have that kind of understanding and you start to go, you know what, this voice, whilst not super helpful in our current context, is there and coming from a space of trying to support you. But there are definitely strategies and things that you can do to minimize its impact. And that's exactly what I sort of talk about in Mind the Chatter. So it's a framework to help you figure out how to best deal with that based on my own experience. So I will put a full disclaimer. I do not have um, a degree in psychology or anything like that. Although I did do um, a paper in it when I did my degree. So (laughs) I have a little bit, there's a little bit there. So it's mind the chatter is a really quick read intentionally because I, I'm very much about, you know what, let's just jump straight into the issue. Let's just get you, a framework that literally takes five minutes to practice that gives you much, gives you very quick results. Like you notice straight away that inner voice just stops, immediately stops. And it's to me, I was just like, this is nuts. Like there are a whole, <laughs> you know, massive amount of books out there on similar topics. But for me, it was just like, this is easy you don't need to go away lock yourself away in a um (laughs) somewhere quiet to do it it's literally something that you can do inside your head although (laughs) i have said you can have this i've had this conversation out loud i would not recommend doing that in public (laughs) not in front of any others right (laughs) not in front of other people yeah (laughs) definitely lock yourself away when you're going to do that so yeah so that's that's basically what it's about is just uh, the framework that i have used to still control's not the right word manage that voice because it never goes away it's it is always it's part of us it's not that you can eliminate it but it's how you master and and kind of manage that going forward so that it's not stopping you from doing the things that you're passionate about amazing well you got me curious now could you dive maybe a little deeper and maybe not share everything but just parts of that framework so oh yeah, yeah. So I call it the the gold framework. It's a I was it's you know when I was writing the book, I was like I need to come up with an acronym <laughs> to try and explain this framework. Like I had to had to come up with it. So it's basically where um, there's four steps. So you one is to get aware, as in be aware that there is this voice in your head, versus just going about your day and not having that awareness, that is like the first step. If you're aware of the negative voice or the thoughts that are running through your head, you're already one step closer to being able to manage them. Um, So that's the G. And then the O is to, oh gosh, now I've got to try and remember. I did the um, acronym without it 
it's not, doesn't actually mean all the things that I did, but it's basically get aware and then to replace some of the verbiage that you're telling yourself with positive words. So I'm very much an affirmations person. If I could show you, I'm I, you can see some of these post-it notes yeah, here. There are post-it notes all over this wall here that have affirmations all over them. So the more that you can fill your mind and and this this area up here with positive words, the more you have to draw from and the less likely that inner voice is going to pull negative stuff in. It's, it's very much about what you consume, you remember it, and you kind of continue to, to tell yourself. So, so we've got aware, we've replaced the kind of verbiage that we're telling ourselves. Then there is the piece about naming it. And this is probably the piece that made a real difference to me. Like I said, I said, you know, shut up, Neville. Now for anyone out there who's like, my name is Neville. It's, I never pictured a person in my head when I said that. It was literally the first name that came to mind. I could just as easily have been Nigel or <laughs> Nelly or anything like that. It was just, that was the name that popped into my head. So I very clearly state in the book, do not attach that name to a specific person you do not want to now start imagining this person in your head whenever you hear that negative voice because then you're moving into something completely different um, but that's the basis of that gold framework is to just really be aware change what's going what you're putting into your brain and putting into your mind and then that naming piece really allows you to then step back and have a conversation and just be kind of like, and this is what generally happens. Like if every time I sit down to write a new book, it doesn't matter that I've written more than 30 books. Every time I sit down to write, this dialogue starts and it's, you know, it always says, Hey, Lise, do you think it's a good idea to write this book? And I was just like, Oh, Hey Neville, <laughs> funny that you should pop up. How are you? And you know, then, it, then he or it's, tends to go, I, I don't think this is a good idea. I really think that you're putting yourself out there too much, Lisa. I think this is really going to open you up for some risk. I really think that you should not do this. And like, I, I get what you're saying, Neville, but you know what? I got this. <laughs> One, this is like my 29th book. Pretty sure I'm good with the writing piece. And then two, I'm just, I'm, I just go, you know what, Neville? I, I appreciate that you're looking out for me, but I'm good. And then... That's pretty much the last I hear of him until I start the next book, <laughs> like until I'm starting to do something different. So yeah, so that does that give you a yeah, bit more? That's, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, just <laughs> acknowledging it, making sure that you're giving those positive messages about the outcome maybe you want, or and acknowledging exactly. that you can do those things, uh, mm -hmm. trying to achieve, just reinforcing those. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. No, it's some great practical advice. That's exactly what I was looking for for our listeners. <laughs> Let's talk through maybe if you could share one thing that your listener and the reader could take away from this book. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about a lot, but if, if there was one thing you could, they could take away from it, what would that be? Yeah, I think awareness is a big thing for me. And it's something that I've always practiced. And it's like, I'm aware of as much as I can be, not just aware of what is going on here, but, you know, I talk to 
um, my my coaching students about being like calendar aware when they're planning so that they can plan for things that might come up to that might hinder them from moving forward so awareness is a big thing the more that you are aware the more that you can plan for things that might come up so I think that's the, the biggest thing that I can say that I I think I repeat like constantly throughout the book is having the awareness is the first step and if you just did that you're already way ahead of somebody who isn't aware because once you're aware once you know something it's very hard to unknow it like you know you can't you can't wind that back once you know it you know it so when you start to wreck and anyone that's listening to this or watching this is going to be like now i can see the thoughts and hear that voice now you're not going to be able to unknow that. I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> but it's that awareness. And then, then because you're aware, then you start to go, okay, well, so now how do I change that? What does that look like? And then you already start that process. Because at the end of the day, we as human beings and you know, wherever you're at in life, you have the answer. We just are always looking outside of ourselves to look for that. So... Neville might, or your version might um, be saying those things, but he is also giving you some pointers of things to watch out for so that you have the ability to course correct if you need to. So it's not that I'm saying you need to ignore Neville at all. It's just being more, it's that awareness and being able to go, okay, is what he's saying legitimate? And if it is, then you're like, great. Thanks so much for bringing that up. I got it. That's my one, my go-to kind of verbiage with him is like, I'm like, great, thank you. I got it. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Now I can course correct. Now I know what to look out for and off I go. And I don't, you know, I'm not now worrying about it. I'm not taking up brain space, right. concerned about something that may never happen, but now I'm aware of it. Amazing. Love those <laughs> tips. Well, let's talk a little bit more about your influence, at least. Who has influenced you the most to obviously write so many books and to be who you are today? Who's influenced you the most? So I would say Elizabeth Gilbert is probably one of my favorite authors. So she is a heavy influence on me. So that's kind of, I guess, from a literary standpoint, but really like from a business standpoint, because I definitely consider myself in the business of being an author, I would say other authors like Joanna Penn, um, she's one of my other fave authors um, that's self-published, love her. I would also say Steve Scott or SJ Scott, as people may know him, is also someone that I heavily followed when I was first starting out. And I, you know, I remember seeing him, I was like, well, if Steve, Steve can do it, like he's no different to I am than I can do it. And then gosh, I'm, start, I'm trying to think of more online space people. Melissa Griffin is also someone that I've really connected with and has just influenced just really the way, more about the way that I approach things versus anything else. But all of them kind of combined have always inspired me to be able to go, you know what, I, they're normal people who just decided to do something different. And so I'm just like, well, if they can do it, then I can too. Awesome. Thank you for sharing those. You're and welcome. <laughs> a lot of times we learn from the failures we have in life. Is there any particular failure, at least, that you'd like to share with the listeners today and what you learned from it? 
Yeah. So early on in my author career in particular, I remember getting a little cocky. So thinking that I was all good, that I didn't need an editor because it's, you know, as you're writing and publishing books, there are costs involved and editing is definitely one of those costs where you're just kind of like, ah, do I need to do it? I don't <laughs> want to do it. You know, it's painful. And so at about, I would say my third book, I remember thinking to myself, I don't need an editor. I can just, I'm good. I've read this. Like I know how to write, like totally fine. I can just proofread this. And I hit publish. And <laughs> I think within 24 hours, I had about three one-star reviews and anyone <laughs> that is an author, understands what that means. Um, and they just all said, this person clearly didn't work with an editor, this needs to be edited, or this author just edit. So I learned very quickly not to skip important steps in the process. The, it's there for a reason. So I had to backpedal on that book and I had to get it edited and re-uploaded. And you know, those one-star reviews live there forever. You can't get rid of them. You can bury them, but you can't get rid of them. So I learned a very hard lesson to not get cocked and not be just like, you know what, there is a process and the process is there for a reason. So yeah, so that was my, probably one of my biggest mistakes that I made early on where I just got a little bit like, <laughs> I don't need to do that. <laughs> Definitely would not recommend doing that. <laughs> uh, good stuff. What about a favorite quote? Please, any you'd like to share with the mm -hmm. listeners and why oh, you like it? I have a few. <laughs> um, yeah. So my, write, my favorite writing quote or just quote in general when I'm and maybe getting stuck on something is done is better than perfect by Sheryl Sandberg. So I'm very much someone who's just like, you know what? I, it doesn't need to be perfect. And I'm a, a recovering perfectionist for sure. So I, this is a constant thing that I tell myself done is better than perfect. I can adjust, I can tweak, I can go back. I don't need this to be 100% amazing to share with the world. So that is my approach to pretty much everything. The other one that I love is thoughts become things. So choose the good ones. And that is by Mike Dooley from um, Notes from the Universe. One yeah. of my faves. Yeah, so both of those two are kind of my guiding principles in the way that I approach things. And again, I think they come back to awareness always. If you're aware of those near thoughts and that you know, you're aware, I'm aware I'm a recovering perfectionist. So I know where my stumbling blocks can be. So yeah, the thoughts become things. Choose the good ones is probably the quote that I've had with me since 2010. So that's when I first connected and I have all the notes from the universe books. There is an entire series. They are amazing. So if you ever need like an influx of positivity, that is Perfect. Sign up for the notes that come into your email every day. They are amazing. <laughs> awesome. Good stuff. I'll have to sign up myself. <laughs> yeah, <they're> really good. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump into the book writing process. We've got a lot of things we could learn from, <laughs> from you, Lise. Obviously, having uh, the success you've had with books, could you just share with the listeners anything you maybe have learned along the way, something maybe you didn't know before you started writing books that you know now after publishing so many? Yeah. So I would definitely say to validate that. It, that was one of the things. So I, I spent three months writing this book. I was 100% certain it was amazing. <laughs> As we always think with like one of our first books, it's amazing. And 
and I guess it always depends on where you're intending to publish the book. So I'm definitely an Amazon starting point. You can definitely go wide, but Amazon is the largest marketplace. So when you think about it from that perspective, it's about understanding their algorithm and just understanding the way that people search on their platform. So this particular book, I, you know, I'd, I'd spent three months writing it, going through the editing process, cover design, all of those things. And then I went to the point of publishing it and quickly discovered there was no market on Amazon, like zero market at all. And I can tell you what the book was about. So it, at this point in time, Odesk was still a thing. It's now Upwork. I got started as a freelance writer. So I was writing about that um, process. So I was, my book was about how to make money as a freelance writer on Odesk. Very specific. Yeah. No one is searching for that on Amazon. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> and they certainly weren't back in 2013 when I first wrote that book. So I quickly learned that any book will work. You just need to make sure you understand who your target audience is and to make sure that that target audience is actually on the marketplace that you're publishing on. So there were plenty of people Googling how to make money on Odesk uh-huh. as a freelance writer, but Google and Amazon are not the same thing. They're different intents. So when I understood that if someone was Googling something, they're in research mode versus if they're searching for something on Amazon, they're buying. Like Amazon is a buying marketplace. You're not really going to Amazon to do research other than researching price points. But once you find the price point that you like, you buy. So that when I understood that, then I was like, okay, yeah, I probably should always do a validation process. So I do that now. I always go on. And the validation process is very easy because I can know that's what you're going to ask me next, Aaron, <laughs> is what does that look like? And that is literally just jumping on and having a look at ca- the categories that you think your book fits into. And it basically, if you see more than five books already loosely about your topic, I would say you're good to go. I would dig a little bit deeper and make sure that people are actually buying those books. And you can check that out by looking at Amazon's bestseller rank for each book. And basically if they're under 30,000 ABSR, then they're, they're basically selling five to 10 copies a day. So that's good. That tells me that people are buying um, the book, they're interested in the topic and then you can happily go away and start writing your book. And then you, it really, then it just comes down to how you are positioning and how you're different to what's already out there. But yeah, I basically, um, I say that to my students. I say, if you don't know that your target audience is on Amazon, how can you write a book and publish it on, on there without knowing that first? So yeah, so that's know your target audience, make sure they are on Amazon or whichever platform you're choosing to publish on first would be two big things that I would say you want to just avoid not having crickets, which is what I had with with that other book. Another lesson learned, huh? Yes. (laughs) Thank you for that. I'm sure that'll save some of our listeners the uh, same struggle there. Uh, What about any other resources that might have helped you along the way to writing your books? Um, gosh, I mean, I'm a reader, so I, like, I'm like the ideal target audience for books about writing um, and stuff like that. And I'm just trying to think of the book and I'm just trying to see if it's here in my office and I don't think it is. 
I think it's called On Writing. And I want to say it's Anne Lamont, I think is her name, as in L-A-M-O-N-T and A-N-N. Um, I think it's called On Writing or Something to Do with Writing. And she just, what I really like about that book was that she really talked about how to write for the reader versus just writing. And there is a difference. And she really talked about specifically digital read, like writing, like how to write in a digital space, which is different to how we read with a physical book. Like you have to space things out differently when you're on a digital platform. So when that was very eye-opening to me when I first got started in the, just the writing process, like the craft of writing. And I can't even remember how I learned conversational writing, but I just remember maybe a blog post somewhere. Actually, it might've been even Joanna Penn or Steve Scott, where they said, write just the way that you talk. So if anyone picked up any of my books, the way that I'm talking to you right now is exactly the way that I write because it's the easiest to explain things and people get it straight away. We do not need, we have, I remember when I was first writing that I had this tendency to put in really big you know, verbose words, like we're trying to show how intelligent we are based on the words that we choose. But at the end of the day, if you are focused on helping a reader, which you should be if you're writing a book, if you're focused on helping them, then you want to make sure they're understanding what you're saying. So conversational writing is also something that as soon as I made the switch, it just became a lot easier to write because I was like, well, I'm just going to write the the same way that I speak, which is easy versus having to worry about whether I'm using not quite the right sentence structure or something like that, because, you know, that's not proper English. Mm -hmm. It's just like, well, we don't speak proper English anyway, at least not here. Maybe if we were hanging out in, you know, the upper societies of the UK, (laughs) then that might be a different story, but we're not. So I think as long as you, again, it always comes back to as long as you understand your audience and you're writing to them. Yeah. So I guess those are the two key things was Anne Lamont. I'm pretty sure it's either Lamont or Lamott. I know I'm butchering that. I I apologize, (laughs) but I know the book is not in here. It's somewhere else. And then, yeah, basically Joanna Penn and Steve Scott, I I just consumed all of their blog posts (laughs) when I first got started. Awesome. Well, so many good tips in there. So appreciate you sharing those with our audience. What about writer's block? Would you mind speaking through the process there? And when you've had that happen, what do you do personally to help overcome that? Mm -hmm. So writer's block is an interesting concept. And I, um, whenever someone says to me that they have writer's block, and I know this is going to annoy some people, I just, I call BS because as if you have, outlined your book and this is it's a it depends on what your process is but if you've got a, a good outline you know who your target audience is and you know what you're writing about it shouldn't really have writer's block like it shouldn't it shouldn't be a thing so I've never had writer's block that's I would say that because yeah. I do the work up front so what I mean by that is is that I will sit down and outline my book where I will have chapter headings, and then I'll have bullet points for each chapter about all the things that I want to cover. So that when I sit down to write, all I have to do is look at whichever chapter I'm choosing to write and go, okay, these are all the things I want to cover. 
right. That's it. Like I don't, I'm not overthinking it. I'm just free. I free write. I don't worry about whether something's written appropriately. I, in the, the very first draft process, I'm just writing. That's all I'm worried about. Now I do use a couple of things to help set me up for success in that way. So I use an app called Focus at Will which you can download on your phone, you have it on your computer, whatever. But it has a whole bunch of different soundtracks and stuff like that based on science. So it's based on brainwaves. There's a whole science behind it. I've been using the Focus at Will app right from when I started writing back in 2014. And my brain is trained now to go into writing mode as soon as I put on a couple of different tracks. So my sort of go-to tracks are there is this cafe track which is just a is just literally a whole bunch of people talking in the background coffee mm-hmm. machines going off um because i prefer to write in a cafe but sometimes i can't always get there so that's my next best thing and it's just it's white noise but that white noise is what really allows me to just switch straight into a free writing mode and then there is a classical piano um, music on there which i also like and up tempo one which is kind of um, a spa like if you're in a spa it's probably what you would be normally hearing so my brain is trained now that when that music is on that it knows I'm moving into writing mode and just something that I've just always done right from the start and I maybe because I, I started out as a freelance writer before I moved into being an author that maybe things are different but I've never experienced writer's block because I always have something to write. It's not like I, I'm sitting there going, I don't know what to write because I have that outline. Now, if you don't have an outline, I can absolutely imagine that it would be very difficult to sit down and go, what am I going to write? So I do this with blog posts too. I do this with videos. I outline everything so that I'm not sitting there going, what am I doing or what am I saying? So if you don't do that right now, I definitely recommend um, doing it. So I don't know if that's super helpful because I don't necessarily believe in writer's block, but some things that I do say to my students who, you know, for whatever reason, get themselves into a space where it's maybe not necessarily writer's block, but it's more that they're not sure of what they're writing about. So if that is, there's a slight nuance to that, And so sometimes it's just a case of actually getting your butt out of the chair and just shaking it off. Like I'm a, you know, just shake it off. Like just literally just doing that just gives your body a change of scene and change of scene is also super helpful. Like I said, I don't always get out to the cafe, but I know that if I want to get myself in a good writing space, I head out to the cafe. I don't necessarily find my office super inspiring even though I'm in control of this space but I'm in here all the time so it becomes the sameness and when you're creating with your writing is creating you have to be in a creative space so set yourself up for success and figure out your triggers like understand potentially what might make you feel like you've got writer's block and then just change it don't try and push through it that's one thing I would say If you're feeling that way, don't try and push, move, get yourself out of that space, journal for 10 minutes, whatever it takes, then come back to it. But don't let it be the thing that stops you. Like say today you sat down and you went, I haven't, I didn't write anything. And then tomorrow you're like, 
you're beating yourself up because you didn't write yesterday and then it just continues, don't do that. Because <laughs> that's a fast track to no book happening. Just reset. Some days you're just like, you know what? I actually just don't feel like writing. And again, I would definitely class that as not being writer's block. You're just not inspired. Then don't. But don't let that continue the next day. Then the next day, if you're still feeling that way, then you're like, okay, well, now I need a change of space. So I feel like that's a long-winded answer. I'm so sorry, Aaron. I tend to go off on a tangent. (laughs) Those are great tips. I love that preparation. And you covered the gamut. You covered it all. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, So now that you've written all these books, do you find any part of it still difficult to write a book? And what would you say is the most difficult part for you now to write one? Mm-hmm. So the writing is definitely, definitely not difficult. The, the pieces that not necessarily difficult, but can be challenging is that I don't, I forget that I need to reach out to my cover designer and get them lined up. Like I just, for some reason think, oh, he'll just know. (laughs) How would he, unless I had told him? So I can get very caught up in writing and forget to take action on all the other pieces that I need to take action on. So sometimes I forget to loop in my team. So I forget to loop in my editor and my cover designer and my formatter and say, hey guys, I'm working on my next book. I'm going to need you around here. And that happened with my very last book that I launched where I reached out to my um, cover designer like a week before I needed it. And I mean, uh, Christos, <laughs> I need this cover. And he's like, Lise, I'm going away on Monday. And I reached out to him on a Wednesday. Uh-huh. And I went, okay, I don't want to use anybody else. Is there any chance that you can do this like really quickly? I'm not looking for anything amazing. I'm not, not in terms of not amazing. I'm not looking for anything intricate. And he was like, yeah, he said, if you can get back to me really quickly on this. And so thankfully this time I was really lucky that he was able to slide me in there. I make mistakes. Like everyone, my launch team says that to me all the time. It's like, wow, you you do this. I'm like, no, I still make mistakes. Like, <laughs> I'm human. I still forget. I just forget things. So yeah, so that was the the challenge is remembering to loop everybody in. And I'm normally pretty good at that because I use a project management system. But this time around, there was a lot of stuff happening and I planned to launch this book in conjunction with an event and that I was speaking at. And so I wouldn't recommend doing that. So <laughs> it was too much going on. I was like, I was planning my speech for the event. And then I was like, hang on a minute. I said, I was going to launch the book on the day that I was speaking. I was, yeah, don't recommend doing that. <laughs> Yeah, it just sounds like you had <laughs> a lot of things going on, like you said. So. Too many things. <laughs> Very understandable. <laughs> um, well, what would you say now has been the best part about publishing and being an author and publishing all these books? What would you say the best part has been for you? Yeah, so my whole intention of writing books, and I'm in the self-help space, so I'm not fiction. I'm, I'm non-fiction. My intention for start like writing my first book was simply to share information and knowledge. You know, I'm just like, well, I've all this information up here, I want to help other people. And that's what I do with every single book. My intention is always, how can I help or inspire or impact at least one person with the book that I'm writing? And so that's the thing that keeps me doing writing these books is that I get emails from people every day saying, you know, your book made a difference. And it's really like humbling. Like 
even though that's the intention, it always surprises me when someone does reach out and say, you know, your book actually made a difference because even though that's the intention, Neville is still sitting there going, uh, I, don't, I don't think anyone's going to read this book, Lise. Like, I don't, I don't think that's happening. And then I'm always surprised when I get an email and someone saying, I just read your book and now I'm heading down this path. So that is the best thing, but it's also the most surprising thing too. Like, I'm just like, it always amazes me that people read my books, even though I know that they do, but you know, there's, there's always that layer of, is, is someone actually reading my book? Like, I would love to see and I, I don't know that this would ever happen but you know in movies when you can see they introduce you to a whole bunch of different characters and they basically follow a scene from character to character and you get to see their entire viewpoint I'd love to see what it looks like when someone buys a book on Amazon then it's getting printed in the background then it gets shipped wow. out to them and then they open it and they start reading it like I would love to see that process like a little video um yeah like a, like a mini drone that follows them and <laughs> they open the book and they're happy to and they start reading and then all these light bulbs are going off i would love to see that <laughs> if someone can make that happen that would be awesome <laughs> yeah. awesome well i know you're helping a lot of people so keep it up please <laughs> thank you i like to close with an open-ended question and make sure i didn't miss anything if there's anything you would have asked yourself if you were in my shoes, what would you ask yourself? I was in your shoes. Or if I was in my shoes, what would I ask myself? That's a really good question. And in the context of writing or anything. <laughs> uh, yeah, in regard to your book or, mm -hmm. or being an author. Mm -hmm. I think it's just, I guess, actually, it's a question that, I, I do get asked is self-motivation. Like how do you self-motivate? Yeah. And it's an interesting answer and it really comes down to understanding and being, I, I know I'm using the word, overusing the word awareness today, but um, being aware of the, of your tendencies and the, and the things that um, motivate you. So there is an amazing book called the four tendencies. I'm a huge personality quiz fanatic and research so done the enneagram i've done four tendencies myers-briggs all of those yeah. the more that you can understand how you work the better you'll be able to live in those strengths so for me you know the self-motivation piece is inherent like it's just i just do it so when someone asks me that question it's i struggle to really answer it because i'm confused by the question because i'm just like I just do it. Yeah. But when you, and, and particularly the four tendencies, when you read that and you, and I read it for the first time only like four months ago and I took the quiz. It's a super quick quiz. takes like five minutes. And it said that I am an upholder. And when I read through all of the things that an upholder is, I was just like, well, no wonder. <laughs> it's like, this is my tendency. So an upholder is someone who has a good balance of, meeting internal and external obligations as in i don't sacrifice to meet an external i don't sacrifice an internal to meet that external and vice versa so i can balance so i can say if someone asks me to do something i can do it and then if i've got something on and somebody asks me to do it i just go you know what i can't do it right now but here's when i could do it so i have that ability to balance and so if I task myself with doing something, 
I do it. And then it's the same externally as well. So definitely a good read if you want to understand how to motivate yourself or how you work. Because I truly believe that if you want to do something different, if you want to step outside the norm and be an author or anything that is different to a normal job, then you have to understand how you work best. Um, because it is not a one-size-fits-all approach. So yeah, so self-motivation definitely comes down to, depends on what makes you tick as to yeah. what you're prepared to do. Yeah. That's great. That's great advice to understand yourself better to then mm -hmm. take advantage of those things you might be best at, right? Mm -hmm. Well, obviously your motivation is working out for you, um, publishing all the books you have. I just want to say thanks again so much for joining me on the show. One of the last questions I have really is just where can the listeners find you online and kind of spoken about it already, what you're up to next, but maybe you could touch on that a little bit more. Yeah, sure. Um, so hustleandgroove.com is where I'm hanging out. Um, Instagram is at leasecartwrightnz. So yes, I'm in New Zealand if you haven't <laughs> heard the accent. Um, uh, that's Those are the two places that you'll find me hanging out. And yes, my next project that I'm working on right now is a workbook called Cultivate Your Mindset. So it's an expansion of Mind the Chatter, but now with exercises for you to actually do some work. So it's about working your way through that gold framework, but on a bigger level with more resources and tools um, to help you move through that entire process. There will be some personality stuff in there because I've definitely, between the four tendencies and the Enneagram, it really... If you, the more that you can know about yourself, the more that you understand the way that you work and the way that you handle the things that come at you is how you can kind of cultivate. That's why the, I love the word cultivate. So yeah, cultivating your mindset is a big thing. So I'm excited um, for that. And that is coming out end of November. So <laughs> I can't wait. I'm in the design phase right now. So <laughs> fun, super fun. Um, sounds like it'll be very helpful, especially those that have already read your book, Mind the Chatter, or planning on reading it. Well, keep up the great work, Lise. Again, so great talking to you and having you on the show. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Aaron. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. Be sure to visit dailyauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content.